Guy here from the Blood Red team. Hope you're all well and sorry to interrupt, but we just got a quick message for you before you get on with the episode that you're listening to. And while we don't have any football right now, here at Blood Red, we have got our own transfer news to let you know about. From now on, our podcast channel will be hosted on the Global Player app. Well, what does that mean? Well, don't worry. If you listen to us on any other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast, that's fine. But to get our pods quicker than anywhere else, you might want to download the Global Player app as our pods will be on there before they're released on any other player. The Global Player app is available to download on iOS and the Google Play Store or wherever it is you get your apps from. You can also find them at globalplayer.com. That's all from me. I'll let you get back on with the episode that you're expecting to hear. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome along to Monday's Blood Red podcast. That is for those of you who are still keeping track of what day we're on. I'm Guy Clark and we're coming up on this edition of the podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We're going to talk about Liverpool's season ticket update that they've released ahead of what will be the 2020-21 season, whenever that does indeed get underway. Former Liverpool director of football, Damien Camoli, has been looking into his crystal ball and trying to look ahead to how the transfer window may be affected by the current situation we're all in. And as the old proverb goes, one man's rubbish is another man's treasure. So on that fact, we're going to look into free transfers One, what free transfers may be available in the summer that Liverpool could well consider, as well as those that they've done in the past. Some have been successful, some not so much. Joining me to do that, a man of culture, Mr Ian Doyle. Doyle, how are you? Okay, seems to have got me mixed up with somebody else there though. Well, no, it's just because of your your array of wonderful reading that you've had. We've had Pele, we've had Ron Burgundy and now Diego Maradona. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just, uh, there was somebody else on Friday, don't worry. Well, also with us, having undergone a quarantine haircut, Sean Bradbury. Sean, how are you? Very well, mate. Yeah, survived survived the first day of lockdown. I'm, I'm looking forward to yours. And I, I want to let the uh, the listeners know what, what I want is your hair to be cut while you commentate over it. I think that's got viral video potential. Yeah, my hair's just about hanging on in there as it is, but it's beginning to look somewhat of a mess. And making her lockdown blood red debut, Kiva O'Neill. Kiva, how are you? Good, have you missed me? We certainly have. But I was wondering why it's sort of taken so long for you to have us with have us have you with us on the podcast. Just just been overlooked, guy, haven't I? No, I work early, so usually it's at this time, but today I'm on a bit of a late shift, so you've got me me company. Great stuff. Well, we've plenty to get into, and I suppose we best get straight into the season ticket update. And, well, Doily, I said right at the top that we don't really know when next season's going to start, neither do Liverpool Football Club, of course, and they've announced that for the time being then that the renewal process for season tickets is going to be put on hold. Yeah, I mean, it's a sensible thing to do, really, isn't it? As you say, we don't know when the season's going to start, so it's probably not fair to start asking people whether they want to be signing up for a season at eight. They don't know when it's actually going to begin. And then two, whether they're actually going to be allowed into uh, to watch the games themselves. I mean, as I say, sensible thing for Liverpool to do most, or certainly several other Premier League clubs have done exactly the same thing. I think the other thing that could be taken from that, uh, two points I felt anyway, is that, um, that Liverpool, obviously, they haven't really said it, a lot about you know what what they think about the whole thing about the Premier League restart, and even though we quite clearly know that they would love it too, because then they can crack on and, and win the title. They said in their statement that they support the uh, you know the, the the United effort in terms of trying to get the season started again, 
and also they've said that they are going to freeze uh, the prices for the season tickets for for another year. That makes it five years in a row now. So there was a little bit of detail in that, but the main thing, obviously, is that we don't know when this season's going to um, going to start. They also said that if games are played behind closed doors, uh, the last four games, I think it's Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, Burnley, and Chelsea that. They will refund any uh, season tickets and any, indeed any tickets, any hospitality uh, or the season ticket holders in particular. They can then have that move forward, that credit to uh, next season to pay for the season tickets then. So, you know, it's a wise move from Liverpool. The only thing they could have done really. And it's again, it's just underlines the fact that we're still no clear as to what exactly is, is going to go on in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and Sean, I suppose it's a proactive view from the club. Still four games, as Doyle said, to fit in sometime at Anfield. And we just wonder whether those will be with a crowd or not. Yeah, well, it's looking for all the world, isn't it? Like, that's going to be behind closed doors. And we've heard lots of views on that. Virgil van Dijk saying that he doesn't think that's an ideal situation. And I think that's, I think quite a lot of people, even some people on our pods, Paul Philbin was saying that, wasn't he, on our fans' pod, that he kind of almost wouldn't want to go back to Anfield if it had to be behind closed doors. But, yeah, I think we've seen the financial reality of it is that this season will have to be finished. You know, there'll be threats to probably even existence of some clubs, maybe not top five clubs, but certainly others if if that wasn't the case. So, yeah, it's going to happen. But I think, as Doyle said, it's it's all pretty welcome stuff from the club, what they've put out. I think it's good that fans have financial clarity at quite an early stage because, obviously, you know, we, we know all the threats to the club in terms of, like, revenue streams and things that they're worried about. But, you know, obviously... It, People, football fans across the world will all be feeling the pinch at the moment, won't they, with all sorts of kind of different working arrangements and things that people are going through. So, so yeah, it's welcome stuff, I think. And Kiva, they're on the revenue stream thing. That It's sort of been estimated that £12 million could be lost if those four games weren't to be played. It does just show that actually how much the fans, in terms of them flocking through the gates, does mean to Liverpool. Yeah, definitely. You know, it does show how important supporters are to the to the game. If we've come through this, we know. Um, the idea of playing behind closed doors is just obviously horrible. But if that's the safest thing to do, then it'll have to happen. But um, I think it's a good move, this, from the club. Because, obviously, like Sean mentioned there, people are feeling the pinch. There'll be people, Liverpool season ticket holders, who've lost the job. And that extra little bit of money, if the games aren't going to get played at Anfield, will obviously, you know... Um, be important to them. So I think, you know, it's it's the, the right decision to be made. And I think it does sort of shine a light on how, you, because you don't always think about how important, you know, just a reg, regular match match go it is, you know, to, to the club financially. And I think this has sort of laid that out. Um, so, you know, I think going forward, we know how important supporters are. And, you know, if you've got a seat in Anfield, you should be like, you should feel like you are, you know, um, contributing to the club's, club's finances because you definitely are. Yeah, we just want, wait and wonder how long it'll be till fans can get back inside Anfield. Hopefully not before too long. We'll, we'll move on from there because not really too much else to say on the season tickets other than we don't know when next season's going to kick off. But we're going to get into a man who used to be high up in the uh, ranks at Anfield and that is Damien Camoli, former director of football, who's been speaking with Sky Sports, Sean. And he, he's been saying quite revealingly that speaking with football agents and whatnot, that he thinks there's only going to be three Premier Premier League clubs in a position to spend fees on transfers in the upcoming transfer window, whenever that may be. Yeah, I think when, he, when I first heard what he said, you're kind of taken aback by it a bit, aren't you? You just think, well, that's not that's not what we expect from modern transfer windows, with you know the yellow ticker and everything, and you know every, usually most clubs do something, don't they? They're a little bit of business at least. 
Well, yeah, the more I thought about it, he said obviously he spoke to an agent and the intel from this agent was that only three Premier League clubs would be able to spend. You know, he's, he's still pretty connected in the game, isn't he? He was only, I think, sporting director, was he, at Fenerbahce until earlier this year? And, you know, he's, 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 he's got a lot of contacts in the game, I'm sure. So I'd imagine there's a little bit of truth in what he said. Um, but at the same token, you would imagine that Liverpool are one of those clubs. Surely you've got a little bit of money, especially as we've, we've said countless times that spending was relatively light in the last few windows. Um, and I know Liverpool are obviously under financial pressure as every big club is and every indeed every club throughout the kind of football pyramid is at the moment. I'd, I'd also say, though, he made a couple of other comments. He was saying, like, uh, he doesn't think there'll be a lot of actual transactions in terms of, you know, fees being paid of actual money, but there'll be swaps, there'll be loans, there'll be kind of creative deals. I think that's one area where you'd have to say Liverpool, under the current stewardship, Michael Edwards and co, have, have excelled. So... I think if it became a challenging market where you had to really be creative and think of different ways to get business done, obviously we, the whole thing's a horrible situation with with what's happening in, in across the world. But you could look at that maybe as, as ways in which Liverpool could potentially do quite well, it, it, to, to put it bluntly. Because I suppose you know, first of all, like we said, they might have a bit more money than than others. But also, I think if there were swap deals to be done, the loan market to potentially exploit. I think you back Edwards and, and, and people like that who are in the club at the minute to make the right decision. So, yeah, really interesting stuff from Camoli and we'll, we'll see how it all plays out in the coming months. Yeah, does it there, Doily, sort of from what Sean's saying, kind of underline and highlight again how Liverpool always seem to, especially with Michael Edwards and the way in which FSG have got things set up at the top of the club, seem to be one step ahead. Of course, no one predicted this sort of thing happening, but in terms of the planning for transfer windows, they are always ready to adjust to whatever the situation may be. True. I just want to go back to what Camoli said, though. I can't see it just being three teams. I know I know the point you're trying to make and the fact that there probably won't be the big spend, but I think everybody's kind of realised that over the past couple of weeks anyway. It would be a bit obscene if we saw players moving for £150 million, given what's happening across the world at the moment. But you're telling me that Manchester United aren't going to spend any money. Manchester City. You know, Newcastle have got all the new money. Well, they, they'll assume that will come with the imminent new takeover. I mean, whether Liverpool spends something is up to them. But there's four teams straight away. I think I think Arsenal might want to spend some money. That's good news for you, guy. Uh, <laughs> Tottenham seem as though they're trying to save every pence that they've got, so they might be uh, spending a little bit. But again, it depends on whether there's promotion who comes up. You know, so. I mean, the, generally speaking, though, I think the point that he's making is correct. We're not going to have a, it's not going to be a transfer window like we've known in the past. Liverpool can take advantage. But what interested me was there was an interview with Dayan Lovren yesterday on the club website, and he was speaking like somebody who isn't going anywhere. Now, we're kind of been, you know, led to believe that Lovren might depart at the end of the season, certainly in the summer. He nearly went at the start of this season. He's definitely fourth choice in terms of centre backs. But, you know, if you've got players now under contract that you don't have to sell, I think clubs might be thinking twice about letting them go. I mean, whether that applies to players like, you know, Lalana's different because he's going to be out of contract. Um, Shakiri's, I don't know, he's basically not played as he for the best part of a year. So if Liverpool could get some money, but it won't be the money that they would have got, say, two months ago. We were talking about, you know, Sevilla were meant to be, or Rome were meant to be looking at £25 million. Now it would probably be half that for him because he's a player who's, Burley played, at least for now, and then the market, everybody's market level would have dropped. So maybe there's a, a sense that not just Liverpool, but all clubs might go, you know what, we've got this play, we could sell him, but it's probably better off just keeping him because he's probably worth more to us 
playing for us or being an option than he is just for the money that we could get for him that we then won't be able to buy anybody because every other club's just keeping hold of their players. So it will be interesting to see what happens. Though I agree with Sean, if anybody can you know, take advantage of this. I know it sounds terrible, but let's be honest, it is taking advantage because that's what everybody will be trying to do. Everybody's trying to get the best for themselves at the moment. So I think Liverpool were very well placed, but just because they didn't spend any money last season doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're going to be spending a load of money this season. It depends on what the manager says. He might go, you know what, this team's very good, doesn't really need that much strength, and we've got these youngsters coming through. That might just be it. I mean, that's a debate for another time, but... Yeah, if, if Liverpool are to do anything, I think it'd be quite clever. Yeah, and that age profile of the squad as well, as you say, doesn't really sort of seem to scream out that Liverpool are in desperate need to do anything. But Kiva, I suppose it's all about relevance, isn't it? Every club's going to effectively be in the same position because this is a, a pandemic that is a global thing. So therefore, Liverpool's position within that shouldn't be all too unaltered. The demand for clubs to get players will remain, but perhaps the uh, the amount of money they can pay for them won't be as high. Yeah, it's going to be a domino effect, isn't it, throughout all the clubs. Um, You're looking at, you know, this summer you were sort of predicting, you know, massive moves for the likes of Jadon Sancho, Kylian Mbappe. There was a lot of talk of, you know, a lot of money and the money was getting ridiculous, wasn't it? It was getting to a point where something like this almost, you know, you don't want nothing like this to happen, but something like this almost needed to to stop the the never-ending sort of, you know, prices were just going up and up and up and the demand was just, that that's just ridiculous, I think. Um, so obviously that seems to have like now obviously destroyed that in a way. Um, so obviously prices will come down, but the likes of, say, like Sancho mentioned there, you know, Dortmund were looking at over 120 mil or something like that for him. Then They're not going to get that now. So then does that go on hold if Liverpool were interested in him? Do, do they get him for a good price? Or then did, did the clubs just shut up shop and say, no, we're not we're not selling anyone? And then that has that effect. I think we're probably entering one of the most interesting uh, transfer windows of our time, pretty much just because of, you know, it's either going to be do or die. Clubs are going to going to sign players or it's going to be some like weird like NFL draft kind of like drafting in like going to be sat in basements just like you know picking out players who are, who are free agents and stuff like that Um, you know would Liverpool want Adam, Adam Lallana to stick around things like that you know just opening up these these questions what does it mean for Harry Wilson who's obviously been on loan does he then you know become more of a, a crucial squad player because Liverpool can't can't afford to, to get players because no one's selling them um, so it, it does make for a very interesting proposition and I think it's going to be going to be an interesting summer definitely yeah it really is an interesting one especially when we read and we write and talk about the rumours a lot Sean and if you think of someone like Timo Werner who's got this release clause whatever it may be 55 60 million pounds if if Doyley's saying that Shakiri's value in theory could get cut in half by this if Sancho's were cut in half at, say he's being valued at 120 million his value at 60 million would still be technically what Werner's release clause will be because that's not going to change. That's written into his contract. Yeah, it's it's bonkers, isn't it? I mean, even to, to, to stick with Werner, you know, I mean, obviously we we know there's, there's a, he's potentially on Liverpool's shortlist. I don't know how much kind of like genuine interest there is or whether, you know, where things were up to. But all, all the reports you hear, it, it, it's crazy how things have changed there if, if it's all to be believed. Because, you know, a few weeks ago it was like, like you say, this release clause was there and, that was potentially something that could be met and they could proceed with that. And then there's been rumours that, you know, Klopp was looking to meet with him and 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 get something maybe potentially set up. But then, but then yeah, all, all of that's changed. And I think virtually every single situation 
in, in goings, outgoings has, has changed. I think it's interesting what the guys are saying before, just going back to the likes of fringe players on the squad, like the likes of Shakiri and Lovren. I think maybe it is a case where clubs can be a little bit greedy now and just say, well, you know, you, you, you can stick around. And I think, you know, we've already outlined a couple of advantages that Liverpool maybe have. I think if it's if it's a quiet market, you know, the, the amount of teams like United, like Spurs, basically everyone you guys mentioned at the, at the top of the show, teams are in transition. You know, Liverpool aren't. You'd say that City kind of almost have to be in transition a little bit now. You know, they, they tried to spend a little bit last season and it didn't really work, you know, apart from Rodri, maybe the other other guys they got in didn't really settle and, and take straight away. So, yeah, I think Liverpool have potentially got the, the financial advantage. I think they've got the creative advantage and they've got the advantage in the sense of the settled nature of the squad as it is now. And on those transitional squads, Doyle, Adam Lallana has been an, a man, obviously his contract coming to an end, linked with Arsenal, Tottenham, Leicester City, they, these kind of clubs who are looking to take that next step, but to do that are probably going to need a bit of investment. Does a player mm. like that now second think that, thinking actually they're probably not going to be able to go and do much and I may be one of the only players they bring in and does that open a possibility to stay or do you think that's completely done? Well, that's a very good point, actually. I hadn't even considered that, that other players might be looking, hang on, how can I be part of a, a jigsaw recruitment drive that isn't actually going to be happening? I mean, Lallana's, you know, Lallana's an interesting situation whereby he's obviously a free he's, he's a free agent. He can do what he wants, whether whether that's on June the 30th or a later date. That's, again, that's something else that we have to, uh, that, you know, mine's greater than ours. We'll have to thrash it out and see what happens there. Uh, I'm sure they'll come to some kind of agreement because, you know, you've got to be sensible about these things. But in terms of you know Lallana the player, it does put him in a. Well, it's an interesting because if Liverpool don't want him, then he's going to have to go somewhere, isn't he? So he's not. He's in kind of a. I think as as Sean said, clubs got to be maybe have to be greedy. Maybe the power shifted a bit back towards the the clubs again, having been with the players for so long. Because now you'll have players who come to the end of the contracts who normally would be going off and saying, not Lallana by the way, just the general player, certainly the top player, who'd be going off and asking for a big signing on fee and big wages. And now they'll be going to clubs and clubs will say, well, we're not paying you that because we just had to give all of our players a 30% wage cut, this, that, and the other. We had to furlough staff. So you didn't even play for us yet. You know, we not, might not be able to afford anybody else. So you're the only one that we're getting. And, you know, this is what we're offering you. So maybe the power's a little bit back towards the clubs. And, Ilalana, he's not the only one. There are, you know, with the, the release, uh, there was a, a list that we published today on the website. I think it was 50 or 57, I think, uh, free agents from the uh, Premier League clubs this year. There's a lot of them. And most of them will be in the same situation whereby, you know, two months ago they'll be thinking, great, I'm looking forward to moving on my career and sorting something out. And now they might be thinking, hang on, I wouldn't mind being offered another year extension here just for a bit of stability. Yeah, we'll have a look through some of those names, actually. As you say, 57 names. If you, you want to catch them all, head to the Liverpool Echo website. They are all there. We've got a, a sort of full piece on them. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. A few names, Kiva, just to throw at you of players, I suppose, that now will really become of interest. Obviously, Liverpool have been linked for a long time and obviously pushed it back the the links with Ryan Fraser, who's not had a great season at Bournemouth, doesn't rule out the fact his contract is coming to an end, as is a player like Willian at Chelsea as well. Yeah, well, Liverpool have obviously done quite well out of Bournemouth in the past few seasons, haven't they? Um, you know, spent selling there, Ibe and Solanke, obviously, there recently. And um, I think a player like Ryan Fraser, you think if maybe Shaqiri moves on, does he just come in and fit that gap? filling that sort of jigsaw. You know, he's going to be on the periphery of the squad a little bit, but maybe looking 
like Shakiri in his first season, he came with that energy, which he, he maybe lost a little bit by sitting on the bench a lot and not being part of it and injuries and whatnot. But, you know, you're sort of replacing him there with someone who's going to come in and have that, you know, wow, I'm playing for Liverpool from playing in front of, you know, 12,000 Bournemouth week in, week out to, you know, Anfield, which is, you know, just amazing, isn't it, really? Um, and then um, I know obviously Liverpool were interested in back in the day. You you still watch him now. He, he had a great game against Liverpool, didn't he? And was it the FA Cup? Um, and I mean, he can still do bits, can't he? He's Brazilian magic. I think you know players like that. It's it's you would you wouldn't say no to certainly. And I think I was thinking then when you, you mentioned the the free agents and how like it might be almost easier for them to to take, you know, a one-year contract. I think they're maybe in the best position out of any now because they are free agents. And everyone will be looking first and foremost to the free agents when they think, well, we don't have to pay a massive fee. So I think that, they're, you know, all the players, the 57 that, that we've listed, um, you know, they, they're cards close to the chest, aren't they? And they get to sort of pick where they go almost. Um but yeah, they're they're the two standout ones for Liverpool. I think with Willian almost almost signed. Um, I mean, he almost signed for everyone that day, didn't he? It was Tottenham, <laughs> Chelsea. I think we we nearly had him here in Birkenhead Park. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> eventually he did sign for Chelsea, and, and I think he's he's done a great job there. And I think I think is he in his thirties now? But you know, he'd he'd be someone good to come off the bench, wouldn't he? Eighty five minutes gone, you're looking for looking for a goal or just to. Uh, to run the legs off the defence, I think he's still got it in him. And Sean, you head up the Felipe Coutinho fan club, and <laughs> I suppose Willian actually, Brazilian as Kiva mentioned before, he's actually he'd, he'd sort of be the free alternative, quite a similar kind of player. He's jinky, can come in off that left hand side, can play in that number ten role. To be fair, I think I think he's thirty two or or so now, but still on a free transfer would look a brilliant option. Yeah, cracking player, and I think like like Kiva said, you know, he's played well against Liverpool a lot. So if he even getting him to slap and doing that would be half good, half decent. Like, but I don't know. Yeah, before this pod, I was thinking, well, yeah, Ryan Fraser, interesting option. You know, he's only what twenty six, I think, and I think he's the type of player, a little bit like the profile of players Liverpool have signed in recent seasons from relegated teams, albeit his team is not relegated, certainly not just yet. But I'd be interested to see him at a better club with a. With a you know a world class manager like Klopp to to bring him on and, and see if he's the type of player who can take that next step and I think he's obviously got the versatility to play in various positions across the front line dipped a bit this season but I thought he was pretty good last season um, yeah Willian obviously Vertonghen was even another one where I thought well if you're going to lose a defender and someone who's all right he is getting on a bit now I think he's what thirty two thirty three perhaps. Um, but he's you know proven class who could come in and, and and be part of the squad but the more I think about it. I think if, if deals aren't right for the likes of Lovren and Shakiri leaving, then there's just no point getting rid of them. Like, what, why change a settled squad where, okay, you know, they, they, they've got their quirks and uh, Lovren's never going to be the absolutely perfect defender. Shakiri's never perhaps going to be the most disciplined attacker. But they, broadly speaking, know what they're doing and, and you know, they don't really let the club down altogether too often. You can point to, you know, mistakes here and there. And when you look at Lovren, I think last year there were times where he was close to leaving um, negotiations wasn't it with I think Roma primarily and um, but if the deal wasn't right the deal wasn't done so I'd almost try and apply that logic again still now and if people aren't coming in with bids that are good enough for the likes of Lovren or Shakiri, then I don't think there's any point letting them go so yeah 
at the start of this, I've been on the let's get the tongue and let's get Fraser bandwagon. Now I'm thinking Dejan and Shakiri will, will do the job. Yeah, too right. I think there might be a one-word answer coming in here. Doyle, of that Premier League <laughs> list, anyone take your fancy? No. no. Oh, no. What I would say is that it's not as if any of these players aren't good enough. But I mean, if you're William, why on earth would you go from Chelsea's bench to Liverpool's bench? Really? I mean, no matter how much money he gets given, he, he wants to be playing at that age, 32. Because he won't, you know, anybody who comes to Liverpool know they're not they're going to be behind the front three. Well, certainly for a large part of the season anyway, unless they can actually just, you know, push their way into it. Um, the rest of them, Ryan Fraser, I can see what Sean's saying. If he's in a better team, it'd be interesting to see because he, he has fallen off this season a little bit. But again, he's almost the same thing. How often is he going to play? And I know, and as as I mentioned before, maybe it's a time where you look at Shakiri and Lovren and go, well, we know exactly what they can do. And as Sean very uh, diplomatically put, what they can't do, and um, <laughs> and um, stick with them because you know they know the other thing is they know the way Klopp works, and Klopp does things. Certainly, Liverpool do things a little bit different to to other teams. That's why they're you know European champions, world champions, hopefully Premier League champions as well. So you know, I think. Possibly, if Liverpool are signing people, I don't think it'll be on a free transfer. Certainly not from the Premier League, anyway. No, you said two things there. You just said there won't be any frees from the Premier League. You also said the likes of Lovren and Shakiri know how Klopp works in Europe. Yes. Mario Gertz <laughs> is going to be coming up for a free transfer. Is he one? That no chance. Perhaps... No, no chance. No chance. Absolutely no chance. No well, chance. I'm calling it now. No. Well, try, try, tried our best there to get through <laughs> to uh, to Doyley. There are other players though, Sean. Dries Mertens, Edison Cavani, all right, both the wrong side of 30. But I, I suppose this is going to be a, a Europe-wide scouting hunt now from a number of clubs. As Doyley said, maybe not any free transfers coming in at Liverpool, but there'll be a load of clubs looking for a load of players on free transfers, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't quite realise both of those those two were available on the frame. I, mean, I guess that's that's absolute proven quality, isn't it? Who can come in and do it for you in the league and do it for you in the Champions League? But but yeah, I, I just think certainly from Liverpool's perspective, if, if you're forgetting the current situation, if you'd have looked at this transfer window and the priorities that would that would be there, um, I guess it would be keeping keeping this squad together, keeping them settled, maybe adding a little bit of proven quality to kind of like just keep that dressing room fresh. But then I think, you know, Minamino's there, isn't he? And and a lot of the players we mentioned, say Fraser, and more think about it, like, uh, like even Doyley said that, let's say Liverpool got Fraser on a free, where would his opportunities be? Well, if he did have opportunities, then it would deny the likes of Minamino opportunities, you know, Curtis Jones, you've got people who are banging on the door already. Um, and I think there's all already perhaps ways of freshening up that dressing room kind of internally on the books now. So, um yeah, I think like if 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 the squad were to stay intact and you know not many names were to come in or you know one or two, I think Liverpool would still be in a pretty decent position for by the start of next season whenever that does happen. Yeah, I suppose on that natural evolution of the squad, as Kiva said before, Harry Wilson's another name to throw in there. Not actually, obviously, a player who is Bournemouth, he's Liverpool's player, but coming back would be that cliche like a new signing, but. Kiva, of course, Jurgen Klopp has shown in the past that he does have a bit of a liking for a free transfer. Joel Matip obviously came in on a free and he's brought in a number of goalkeepers, Adrian and, of course, Andy Lonergan in the last summer. So it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility to see Jurgen Klopp perhaps fancy a free transfer because they have worked for him in the past. Yeah, I think he always admired Joel Matip, didn't he? Which is why he came come from Schalke. Obviously, he'd 
that's the the derby for Dortmund, isn't it? So he Klopp had his eye on him, and as soon as he come up free, he thought, you know, this is a professional one. It didn't quite work out straight away, did it? But then, you know, obviously on on the basis of last season, we know we know how um, how much of a good player Joel Matip is. Um, and then Adrian was just just a great great thing because it happened just when it needed to. Obviously, Mignolet departed, and it was a quick. Um, it was just so necessary, wasn't it? Liverpool needed a and a, a goalkeeper to to deputise for Allison, and you know, no one would have expected how much Adriana has been called upon and how much you know he's he's done a great job. I think um, it's obviously a shame to go out the cup and stuff like that, but you know, I, I think and the Champions League, you know, you you wouldn't have not want you would have wanted Allison in goal on them nights, but obviously it is what it is. I think Klopp will almost be like a, a predator if he is going to be a, a free transfer predator and just, you know, he'll hunt hunt out the right one if he needs it. But I think, you know, he hasn't necessarily needed to do that as he? he's always he's always bought the players that he's really wanted and have made a, you know, a massive difference to the club. We had a quiet summer last year, which obviously points to, it makes a lot of fans think that we're going to, you know, go big this summer. But now this all comes about and it makes everything um, a lot different. So, um, yeah, there's my mum just sneaking in the kitchen and putting me off. Thanks, Maria. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no idea. No idea what I'm saying now. No, would anybody watch Free Transfer Predator, that film? Yeah. 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 yeah, that that was that was a great one, Kiva. Uh, <laughs> but obviously, as I was saying, with, with Kiva there, Doily, free transfers, not just under Klopp, but through Liverpool's past and even recent past I suppose the last 20 years or so have worked really well certainly since obviously the, the Bosman ruling and all of that it is something the club has taken advantage of some have worked some haven't well yeah you got to bear in mind that Liverpool were on the receiving end very early on in the uh, Bosman thing uh, Steve McManaman went on for about two years that did the uh, they wanted him to sign a new contract I think it was in 1997 because his contract was up in 99 and he kind of didn't under and so the Barcelona came in for him. He didn't go because it turns out Barcelona just using him to try and buy uh, Rivaldo, I think it was. And um, and then eighteen months later, he you know the, it all started again, all the talk, and it turned out that he'd signed a, a pre-contract with Real Madrid. He'd gone in '99, so Liverpool at the time, you know, weren't the best team in the world. He was by far the most valuable and best player. Even at the time, he was more valuable than than, than Robbie Fowler, and they they lost him. And I think since then. Liverpool have been quite keen to make sure they didn't get in the same position. That's why you see players get offered the contracts for like two or three years to go with people that they think may be in danger of going. It's been slightly different because he's each show with Emre Chan that you know, if a player can do something for him, he'll just keep them until the contract runs out. But that's been a rare event, and Liverpool have ended up doing you know turning it on its head and doing well with actually bringing in players on free contracts. You go back to Marcus Babel, you know, Gary McAllister. All the way through to, you know, we mentioned Matip and just before him, James Milner, they would be among some of the best free signings. I think Maxi Rodriguez, still not sure whether that was a free transfer or not. I think there may have been some money changed hands, but in the records, it looks like it's a free transfer. But you know, Craig Bellamy, come back the second time, Robbie Fowler as well. So there have been some decent ones. And again, as I think, as we mentioned with the two uh, goalkeepers this season, it's also a good way of just filling in some holes that you need to, you know, te- temporarily, you know, for maybe a season or two. I know you spoke, obviously, on the, the Blood Red channel a few months back now, Sean, with Theo Squires on Liverpool's top five free transfers of all time. And I suppose one one guy who, as soon as you sort of say free transfer in Liverpool, that is synonymous with that is Gary McAllister. That role he came in and played under 
Gerard Houllier. Ah, yeah. I mean, I've always been a when you're looking at you know the the pantheon of Liverpool's best free transfers. I've always been a, a Gary Mack ultra. I just thought he was exactly what the, the club needed at the time. Obviously, you know, absolutely crucial role in securing that cup treble and and getting the Reds into the Champions League. And I think he was just he was just ideal. Or it seemed obviously outwardly an ideal presence for the dressing room. You know, and someone brilliant for the likes of Gerard to to learn from as a as a midfielder and you know how you carry yourself, how you influence people. Um, but saying that, that I, I now think that the more I think about Milner and how long Liverpool have had him for and how they managed to get him for nothing, I think he's got to now have cemented himself as, as the best piece of free business they've ever done. Because I think he's now played more games for Liverpool than he played for City. And they, they must be kicking themselves because he's, you know, he's been such an integral part of this Liverpool team. Um and, you know, playing in a variety of positions, running games from left back for that season where he did that and everything we've seen since. Yeah, I just think, I used to always think Gary Mack was the one on the kind of show as your medals arguments and just a couple of seasons of great influence and, and winning loads of silverware. But yeah, I think I think Milner now has, has, has set the bar. I think if, if they ever discover a, a better bargain than James Milner, we'll be doing very, very well. No, and that's the thing, isn't it? Because what Milner arrived in 2015, so five years of service, and he obviously renewed his contract recently, Kiva, and there's always been that talk of Leeds United wanting to take him back, but as Sean says, Liverpool not wanting to recreate that mistake that Man City did in letting Milner go before too soon. Yeah, I think just before he signed that contract and when last season, you know, Leeds were almost got up, didn't they? And um, it looks like they're going to do it this, this season if it all, you know, goes to plan and we get back playing. But um, you'd always thought like he was he was destined to just return home and you know end end his career where it started. But I think Klopp's had a big think on it and thought, can we lose this player who can play pretty much everywhere on the pitch for us? He sets the tone um, in training in the dressing room. You know, as soon as they come back in the summer and they done them lactate tests or whatever it was, and he was just absolutely he's an absolute monster, isn't he? Um, you know, he's he's a funny guy, he's someone who, who you need to have around and someone who's, you know, played for a very long time and has a lot of experience. And I think that was epitomised, um, obviously, when um, Neil Critchley took took charge of the Young Reds and he was he was there, wasn't he, on the sideline, sort of giving pointers and um, went in the dressing room and, you know, give them a bit of a talking to. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me eventually if he if he does uh, go into management and you know if Klopp's still around when when James Milner hangs up his boots, I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, at the backroom staff at Anfield because I just think he's you know just someone you you, you don't want to lose almost because he's just just so so valuable um, both on and off the pitch. And so Doyle, if the accolades go to. Gary McAllister and James Milner are sort of the pin-up boys of how to do free transfer business. So I suppose Joe Cole, Milan Johanovic and Andre Voronin are probably the ones of how not to do it. I thought there'd be worse ones than them. You look at some of the goalkeepers, and I didn't mention them my name before, and I'm not going to now, actually, because I'm sure you've got a big list of them all there. But, you know, there, there are some absolute, uh, you know, they were clearly just bought, as I say, just to, you know, one, he never played and he was never going to play. And this is nothing against him. He was just brought in to, to actually help with the goalkeeper's training at the time. That was Alex Manninger, who obviously formerly of Arsenal. And he, he joined when he was like 39 or something stupid like that a couple of years ago. And Klopp brought him in simply to help out with the training for a year. He was never going to play. And you'd have to argue to a certain degree. That's the same with uh, Andy Lonergan. He was thinking he'd been on the bench. As, was he on the bench for the Chelsea game? No, it was the, uh, the Champions League game. That was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In fact, it could have been both of those games. Um 
but he was, you know, it, it would have to take a remarkable series of, series of events for him to come on. It was never being bought to be played. But I know you've mentioned Ivanovic. I think Cole was the biggest disappointment simply because I think everybody thought what a great move that was by Liverpool. Similar in a way to the Milner you know, in the sense that he was coming from a team who were doing better than Liverpool at the time. He was certainly one of their better players. And Liverpool got him for, you know, in what looked a great deal in terms of transfer fee. But from very early on, it wasn't all down to him and his, his fitness. But Liverpool at the time were not a great team to be going into. You mentioned Jovanovic then as well. Even Voronin a couple of years before when he when he joined, it was kind of the tail end of the Benitez era and things were starting to go a bit awry. So not going to pick on those one guy, no. No, I suppose though with, with Joe Coulson, it, it's one of those where it's probably circumstance as much as anything as well that sort of conspired against him because as Doyley said he joined having literally just picked up a Premier League winner's medal with Chelsea and he played quite a key role at the back end of that 2009-10 season he'd scored at Old Trafford and all of a sudden he arrived at Liverpool and what sent off on his debut and never really sort of recovered from that no, I think, um, yeah, he probably represents the biggest disparity, like Doyley said, between what, what you expect from a transfer and what you get. Maybe the fact that he was acquired for nothing should have been what we uh, took our cue from there. But, I don't, you know, I don't think it was fans alone who, who kind of bought into it. I remember, pretty sure, didn't Gerard compare him to Messi? At one point, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, 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 you know, and you can understand that he was, he was, he was, a, he was a classy player in, in his pomp, wasn't he? And brought something, or we hoped that he would bring something that Liverpool didn't have—a real, genuine flair player who could dribble and carry the ball. But, but yeah, look, there's nothing as I do after like ten minutes of five aside after, after, <laughs> after he just started the game. So yeah, it, he always, he always seems to have his hands on his on his knees, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <to> breathe <laughs> yeah, poor fella. But um, but yeah, I think he'd probably be the one in terms of you know. Uh, the, the difference between hope and reality, but I think quite a few of the others you've mentioned are on that list as well. Like any that stick out for you, Kiva? Um, I remember being very disappointed by Joe Cole. Um, to be honest, I think it wasn't a great time to come to the club, was it? I just remember thinking, oh my god, we signed Joe Cole. It did feel quite quite special, you know, watching watching him for Chelsea in England. Um, and then he come to us and looked like a forty year old, didn't he? So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> but yeah, I think the, I think the other ones you you wouldn't really expect anything of of them. So I mean, I expected something of Joe Cole. Um, yeah, I think it's it, it's kind of weird when they come on a free because you're not really expecting anything, are you? You just kind of like you you know that they've you know they've come. You haven't had to pay for them, so they've kind of got that already. Like we haven't we haven't forked out for them. Um, but obviously he's still playing them wages, so you want them to do a job. But yeah, I think I was I was disappointed by that one. Less so by Voronin and Ivanovic, because I think, you know, as soon as you see them posing, you kinda know mm, what's going on here. What I would say about Ivanovic, he was a very nice man, very polite. Always <laughs> shook your hand in the mix though. That so that's why I will not have a word said against him. Good luck. Yeah, good good to know, good to know. Well, that about rounds us up. We've had a good laugh here on the, the Blood Red podcast, set us up nicely for the week ahead, and we've got a good uh, film title out of it as well. Jurgen Klopp, the free transfer predator, and the Gary Mack Ultras. I think that's, uh, that, that's a good one to go with. Guys, thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate it. Cheerio. Thank you. Well, that wraps it up for us here on Monday's edition of the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Thanks for your time and your company. Until next time, though, bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.